Hey, everybody. Good to see everybody. Man, it's good to be back. Uh, welcome again to Cedar Home. If, if I don't know you, my name's Dan Halleck, and I've been gone for a little while. Um, if you're new here, I would love to meet you after the service, and, uh, and I'd love to, to catch up with many of you after the service if, if you want to hang out for a few minutes. Um, I want to start by thanking um, a few people who stepped in to fill some, some gaps while I was gone. I want to thank Dylan. Uh, McFadden, he preached four times. He did a great job, I heard, and he led our staff meetings uh, while I was t- uh, out of town. So thank you, Dylan. And uh, thank you to the, the elders and uh, for their leadership and for uh, preaching each one several weeks while I was gone. And I was just thinking, I was talking to some people. We really are very blessed to have so many able preachers within our own church family. Um, and uh, I just want to thank you guys uh, for letting me take a break and breathe for a few months. I really, I needed it, and uh, it was a great blessing for, for me and for my family. And, and, uh, and so I, uh, I want to talk a little bit about my sabbatical for a few minutes and then kind of tell you what's coming up uh, with the church and then have a, a, a message, and then um, we're going to take the Lord's Supper together. So I, let me just tell you briefly uh, that, that personally the sabbatical was, was helpful for me in a number of ways. Uh, one thing it, it did, which was really good in ministry, is to kind of step out and get some perspective uh, on life and ministry that I, I just could not have gotten had I not stepped out of, of, uh, of the busyness of ministry for a little while. And and I think that perspective is really going to help me reprioritize some things that's going to benefit me and my family more and also the church. Uh, another thing the sabbatical allowed me to do was simply to, to, to pray and to spend uh, concentrated times with, with God in his word just for the sake of nourishing my relationship with God. And that was a, a great blessing. One of the things I did that I enjoyed most is I, I purchased a new Oh, a Bible, it's called the ESV Reader's Bible, and basically it's, it's the text of the Bible without any verse numbers, without any commentary, and it's, it's kind of supposed to be similar, you know, to the way it was originally written without the, all the breaks and stuff, but it allowed me just to kind of sit down and enjoy reading, you know, an entire book of the Bible in one sitting and just soak it in. And so uh, it's really cool. I, I'm not the fastest reader, and so I, and I tend to like meditate on scripture more, so I tend to read just a few verses at a time, but it really is cool when you sit down and read an entire book of the Bible, the New Testament ones are shorter, um, at one time, and you can kind of see, oh, I see how this connects to this, and, and you kind of see the big picture. And so that was great for me. Uh, and then I also, on the sabbatical, I, I was just really thankful to be able to invest into my family. Uh, many of you know that our closest relatives live 1,200 miles away, so uh, our kids just don't get to see their cousins and aunts and uncles and grandmas very often. And so for the first month of the sabbatical, we traveled to Wyoming and Colorado and, and just spent a lot of time visiting relatives. And uh, during the second month of the sabbatical, we focused kind of on spending time together just with our immediate family, with Cindy and me and the kids. And we spent time uh, at a cabin in in the mountains in Wyoming. Um, And we spent some time down at the Oregon coast. And uh, I did a little fishing, which was fun. And uh, and then we we just, uh, we like you, spent some time probably in the backyard trying to escape the summer heat. And so we did that too. And then in the last month of the sabbatical, kind of as school was gearing up, uh, Cindy and I were able to get away to celebrate our 13th wedding anniversary, which was awesome, and we were so thankful to do that. And then the rest of the month, we were just pretty busy getting the kids ready for school and, and doing some projects around the house, uh, probably like you have been too. And so uh, between the, this kind of the, this perspective that I got on life and ministry and and uh, the spiritual refreshment that I received and the investment of time I was able to make into my marriage and my family, I would say the sabbatical is very beneficial for me, and I just thank you uh, again. And it's good to be back. I love you guys. And as a reminder, I have been off Facebook and email and my cell phone for the past three months. And so if you contacted me, I did not receive that, and I hope you figured out your problem. Um, And... (laughs) 
it's, it's, it's going to take a little while now for me to get back into ministry. And so, so just know this ahead of time that I'm, I'm probably not going to be able to get back to you as soon as you would like me to. And so I encourage you to just continue to reach out to the elders and deacons and staff for a while like you have been. Um, if you were with us in June and last year, you know that we finished up the gospel according to John, which we've been in for several years. And, and uh, this summer, I spent a lot of time thinking about, you know, what would be a good book for our church to go through in this season? What does God want for us? And I kind of narrowed it down to a handful. And, and then for a number of reasons, I, 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 I kind of narrowed it down um, to the book of Acts. And I think it's going to be beneficial for us uh, for a number of reasons. Many people, uh, Christians and non-Christians, are familiar with the life of Jesus, the basics of the life of Jesus, and they know that Jesus died on a cross and that he rose again. But a lot of people don't know, well, what happened right after that? What happened to Jesus right after that, after he rose from the dead? What happened to all the disciples? What happened to the people who killed Jesus? What happened to his first followers? And, and how does any of that, more than just learning a history lesson, how do any of those things affect the way that I live my life and approach my, my own death here in 2017? How do those things affect me? Um, well, the, the book of Acts talks about all those things, and it also addresses a number of important issues that, that we're going to get into that are really relevant for our families and our churches um, our church here and our nation and our world, uh, issues like you know, how to live your faith in a hostile environment, uh, how to have a spiritual conversation with somebody with a different belief system than you, uh, the, the surprising conversion of people who were once opposed to Jesus and to Christianity, uh, the style and structure of the early church, how to love God, how to love brothers and sisters in Christ, the irresistible grace and unmatched power of the Holy Spirit, racial reconciliation through Jesus Christ, and, and in Acts we see the decisive declaration that eternal life, salvation from death and hell, friendship with God, and inclusion in God's family comes only through personal faith in Jesus by God's grace alone, okay? Peace with God is not established by our works or by our religious deeds or by our race or by any human tradition. These are the things they were wrestling with in Acts just like people are today. But Acts clearly shows we don't need to have the conversation again. <laughs> Jesus already gave us the truth that life and peace with God comes from Jesus alone as we trust in him alone. And so, so that's what we're going to start to dig into starting next Sunday, okay? And so I would invite you to con uh, consider think about this week who you might be able to invite to join you for some of this because it's, uh, it's really good and it's pertinent to all of us. Um, now, with the rest of our time here, uh, I, I, what I want to try to do is, it's kind of a big ambitious thing, I want to try to take what you've heard preached this summer and to try to tie it together with where we are headed here at Cedar Home and, and as a church family. And that's going to be tricky for me since I really don't know what you heard this summer. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I trust the people who preached, and so I'm hoping there's some overlap here. But uh, there, there are three main ideas from the Bible uh, that I want to kind of be the foundation of this message today, that I want you to get today. First idea I want you to get is, is this, that God is glorious, okay? That God really is glorious. Second, I want us to see that God reveals his glory to all peoples of the earth in order to be glorified by all peoples of the earth, okay? So God reveals his glory to all peoples of the earth in order to be glorified by all peoples of the earth. And then third, God invites us to participate in spreading his glory among all peoples. He invites us to participate in his mission to spread his glory among all peoples. Okay, so first, let's talk about the first one. God is glorious. And let's just go straight to the word, what it says. Psalm 19.1, it says, 
The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Psalm 24.10 says, Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. And 1 Chronicles 29.11 says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Okay? So the Lord is glorious. This is weaved all throughout Scripture. He is infinitely holy, which means he's set apart from us. He's in his own category. His majesty, his, his power, they surpass anything that we can imagine. He is the source of all life. He is love, we read in 1 John 4. God is our creator, and God, God says that he is the one true God, and he is a three-in-one God, which means he exists eternally in three persons, the, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. And he says that only in his presence will any of us find everlasting fullness of joy. Only in his presence. And so, whether it's the skies around us, the, the natural world around us, whether it's looking back at the, at the history of humankind in this, in this planet, or whether it's just reading the word, the Bible, and seeing God himself declare that he is glorious, the idea I want you to get here is that God is glorious. So we start there. God is glorious. Now, now the second thing I want you to see is that God doesn't hide this glory. He reveals his glory. He shows his glory. He reveals his glory to all peoples of the earth for a purpose, in order to be glorified by them, to be glorified by all the peoples of the earth. So because God is so, so awesome, so holy and glorious, it means that he, he deserves to be recognized and exalted and worshiped and glorified as being glorious. And we read in the Bible over and over that God actually seeks the glory of his own name. He, he does many incredible things. He says, for the sake of my name, for my name's sake, I do this. So he seeks to be worshiped by you and, and me and by all creation, and it's not because he's needy. At first, this kind of sounds like a strange thing, because normally people who want to be worshipped, we call narcissists. We call megalomaniacs, right? But this is why God is different from, from all those people, that God is, he is in his own category. He is in his own category of perfection, of perfect glory, because there is God, and then there is everything else. Okay, that's how it works. And, and because of that, then the most righteous thing that God can do is to seek his own glory. The most right thing for God to want is to be glorified. And, and because he is so glorious, and because there is fullness of joy only in him, then the most loving thing that he could ever do for you and me is to show us his glory and let us become partakers in it. And in scripture, we see that from the creation of humanity in the first book, first chapter, until the future day that we read about in Revelation of his return, that we, we see that the Lord reveals his glory to all people in order to receive glory from all peoples. This is an idea that I first read in, a, uh, in an article by a man named Stephen Hawthorne. And the reason that the Bible uses the word peoples instead of people is because within humanity there are many different peoples, people groups. There are different kinds of people, different races, different ethnicities, different cultures, different languages from different parts of the world. It's estimated right now there are between 10,000 and 24,000 distinct people groups on earth with their own culture, their own language, 
their own people. And so for the eternal blessings of all of those people, God desires to reveal his glory to them so that they may partake in it and glorify him. And that's why Revelation 7 and in other places in Revelation where it describes Jesus' return, it says that God will be worshiped by people from every peoples, from every tribe, every nation, every tongue. Individuals from all peoples will be eternally saved by God. They'll be accepted and adopted into God's family. They will be loved by God forever and they will glorify him forever and it will be their greatest joy to do that. Okay. Now, even though it sounds like, man, this sounds like in, maybe an easy thing to, okay, to enjoy God and to believe he's glorious and to enjoy his salvation, that sounds like an easy thing. But the other fact which many of us know about in here is that God also says within the first three chapters of the Bible that we've offended him as individuals and as a corporate human race with our sin, with our disobedience to him. And what many people don't realize, haven't realized and don't realize today, and we see it more and more in our post-Christian country here, that their sin against God creates shockwaves that pronounce them guilty before the holy Lord of the universe. And ever since, ever since Satan fooled the, our first father, Adam, and, and, and his wife Eve in the Garden of Eden into sinning, humanity has had a light view of sin. We thought to ourselves, my sins can't be that offensive to God. Look at theirs. That's exactly what Adam did in the garden. He pointed, he said, look at theirs. She made me do it, right? Well, we think, and as long as nobody gets physically hurt, then it must be okay to do this or that. I hear that a lot. But God says that that's not how you judge what good and evil is. God says, I've shown you what good is and evil is in my word already. And because all of us have gotten it wrong and humanity has gotten it wrong, then we are all guilty of this sin against God, this punishment of death um, on earth and eternally, which is eternal suffering separated from God in his glory forever. And, and where this hits home is um, as we live here in 2017 and do life and live with our neighbors and, and go to work and read the headlines, we see that all earthly, you don't have to read the Bible to see this, that all earthly signs point to human destruction and to human death brought on by our own sin. Selfishness and, and greed, rampant injustice, Division between peoples, hatred between peoples and individuals, terrible diseases that lead to death, drug addictions, which we have a major crisis in our country, depression and loneliness, and then, and then trying, to, trying to find the answer, trying to soothe it, trying to find a drug to ease the pain uh, by looking to to money and sex and power and fame and entertainment and hoping those things will, will, will help me. And the reality is that left to ourselves, we're just kind of, we're on this downward spiral of depression and fear and false gods and destruction that ultimately leads to our demise. But this is the message of the gospel and the message of the whole Bible, that even in the midst of this present darkness, God is still glorious. He doesn't change. He is still glorious, and thankfully, he has not given up on his mission to reveal his saving glory to all peoples so they might be saved from the darkness and enjoy him in his glory forever. When Adam and Eve sinned against God in the garden, when they felt the shame of their sin, their nakedness, did God destroy them right then and there? No, he could have. 
But what does it say he did? He served them. He clothed them. He made clothes for them to hide their shame. And he let them live so that they might repent and turn to him in faith. And after humanity continued to sin over again and again, and as we read just in the first 10 chapters of the Bible, how would God continue to seek his glory and at the same time our eternal joy? Well, God appears to this man named Abram in Genesis 12, 1 to 3. And we read that, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Okay, so listen. Due to no merit of his own, it doesn't say it in the text, that Abraham was like this incredible guy, so God revealed himself to him. It says, God in his own sovereign wisdom came to Abram, and he says, Abram, I'm going to make your offspring into a great nation, and I'm going to bless you, Abram, so that you will be a blessing. Okay, that's the purpose. You hear that? I'm going to bless you so that you will be a blessing. Christians, why does God bless us? So that we will be a blessing to others. That's why God blesses. And God tells Abraham that all the families of the earth shall be blessed through him. Okay? He, get this. God doesn't say this. My blessing is only for Israel. My, my, my blessing is only for the Gentiles, only for Americans. God says, all the families of the earth shall be blessed through you. This is going to happen. All people. And so God is going to do something through the line of Abraham to bless all the peoples of the earth as he seeks his own glory. Fast forward to Moses, the leader of the Hebrews, who they were enslaved to Pharaoh in Egypt. In Exodus 9, 15 to 16, God tells Pharaoh, for by now I could have put out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, and you would have been cut off from the earth. But for this purpose I have raised you up to show you my power so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. Okay. So God tells the most powerful man on earth, Pharaoh at that time, that he has raised him up ultimately to tear him down from power so that the Lord's name will be proclaimed in all the earth, so that all people will see where salvation really is, in the Lord. God has a global mission for his glory, and we see this in, just in Exodus, the second book of the Bible. From the Middle East, all the way to Stanwood, Washington, all the way to North Korea, all the way to England, this is what the Lord says. My name will be proclaimed in all the earth. He doesn't just say, I hope this happens. So this is what's going to happen. This is the purpose. This is the mission. This is the reason humanity is here. And it's going to happen. Fast forward to the time of David. And, and we read in Psalm 61, 1 to 7. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Selah. That your way may be known on earth. Your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you. O Lord, O God, let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Selah. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Isn't this awesome, you guys, that God wants to save and redeem people from all the ends of the earth? His mission was never just to Israel. Even in the Old Testament, it wasn't just to Israel. God revealed himself to Israel. He gave them the law and the prophets. But the Lord's mission has always been to reveal his glory to all peoples so that people from all nations might be saved. You fast forward to David's son Solomon, who says this in 1 Kings 8, 41 to 43, when he dedicated the temple. Likewise, 
and I think Brian might have read this or a similar passage last week. Likewise, when a foreigner who is not of your people Israel comes from a far country for your name's sake, for they shall hear of your great name and your mighty hand and of your outstretched arm. When he comes and prays toward this house, hear in heaven your dwelling place and do according to all for which the foreigner calls to you in order that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you as do your people Israel and that they may know that this house that I have built is called by your name. So when Solomon's temple was constructed, God had the salvation of the Jews and the Gentiles in mind. Okay? All who trust in the Lord are saved by God's grace through faith. That is the message in the Bible from Old Testament to New. Now for time's sake, okay, let's just hop to the last book of the Old Testament, to Malachi. This is how the, uh, of the Old Testament, sorry, this is how the Old Testament ends. For, for from the rising of the sun to its setting... My name will be great among the nations, and in every place incense will be offered to my name in a pure offering, for my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. And so the Old Testament ends with God's passion to be glorified among all the nations, which is also what will lead to the greatest joy of the nations and of all who surrender to the Lord. Okay, and then what we see is this new stage in history after that, right? About 400 years of called an intertestamental period between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And God's glory comes even nearer and becomes even clearer as the Father sends his son Jesus as a missionary from heaven to earth in order to save people from all the nations. And according to the genealogy of Jesus that you can read in Matthew chapter one, who was Jesus' great, 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 grandfather? Abram. The man we just talked about back in Genesis 12, through whom God promised he would bless all the families of the earth. Jesus' direct descendant of Abram. It is through Jesus that all the peoples of the world will be blessed. And as we look at Jesus' ministry on earth, we read in Mark eleven seventeen, 17, and he, Jesus, uh, was teaching them and saying to them, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for whom? All the nations. But you've made it a den of robbers. God's house, the temple, is a house of prayer for all the nations. God shows no favoritism. He is out to save people from all the nations, from their own brokenness and sin and rebellion against him. And he does that for the glory of his own name. And at the end of Jesus' life, as he was hung upon a cross, our, our glorious God and king was murdered by choice. And he allowed humanity to put him on that cross so that he might take on their sin, pay the punishment of death for their sin so that people from all the nations can be delivered from death and destruction by Jesus. And it is by trusting in Jesus' name and by just enjoying his salvation forever that God is glorified through us. That's how we glorify God. And then by rising from the dead... Jesus shows I'm not done yet, okay? He continues his mission to reveal his glory to all peoples by sending the Holy Spirit now to earth to advance the kingdom of God to the ends of the world, to break down walls that had not been broken down before in order to reach all peoples. And this is what we're going to start next week in the book of Acts, to see that, okay? Now, 2,000 years has happened since that book took place, since the events of Acts took place. But we're living in a similar period in history in which God is continuing to advance his kingdom to rescue people from death and destruction by moving in, by pushing back the darkness, and by giving new life 
to those who trust in him and what he accomplished on the cross for them. Okay, now I want to show you, this is a really exciting video clip <clears throat> about the progress of the, the gospel since Jesus' uh, death and resurrection over the past 2,000 years. Um, let's check it out. So that is where the gospel has advanced. Obviously, it doesn't mean all those nations are saved, but it means the gospel has been clearly presented to those nations, and there are Christians in those nations and churches. And what we see from this is that this is God's mission, not ours, okay? But we get to be participants in it. God is on the move. The gospel has gone to almost all of the world, and Jesus is coming back soon, okay? He's, he said he's going to return in the clouds, and he's going to gather his people to live with him forever. And he's coming back to, to earth to judge, to eternally punish Satan and his demons and all who have defamed his name and not repented, not given him the glory that he is due. And God is holy, right? He is holy, and so this defamation of his holiness, of his glory, requires that all who sin against him and do not repent suffer in hell forever. And we don't want that for people. We don't want that for our neighbors in Stanwood. <laughs> we don't want that for our coworkers. God's put us here for a reason. This leads us to the third point, that God invites us to participate in spreading his glory among all peoples. If you're not a follower of Jesus, then how can you right now give God the glory that he is due? And also at the same time, do what will lead to your greatest joy. Well, Jesus, he makes it real simple. He says, turn to me and be saved. Trust me and be saved. Trust in Jesus alone because you need him to save you from your sin. That starts, you gotta admit that you have done evil, that your sin isn't light in God's eyes, that you need to be forgiven and cleansed and all your efforts to pursue this fulfillment in your life and in your heart, you can't do it. You can't get that one thing you're looking for. You need Jesus. And so God loves you, and, and Jesus tells you to pray to him and believe that he is God, and then he paid the price for you on the cross and that he rose again and be saved. If you never trusted in Jesus, then trust him now. Turn away from your sin now. He loves you, and he wants to share his glory with you. Trust him today. Tell somebody else you trusted them if you haven't. Be baptized. Let us celebrate with you your new life in Christ. And for those of us who have trusted in Jesus, where do we fit into what God wants to do in this world? Well, 
just like God told Abraham, or Abram, so that um, God blessed Abram so that he would be a blessing to others. God has saved us and blessed us to, to be a blessing to others. This is how we, Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians 5, 27, uh, 20. He says, therefore, we, church, if we are Christians, if we are followers of Christ, if we have been saved, we are ambassadors for Christ on our block, on our farm, on, uh, on the work site, at Boeing, wherever we work, down in Bothell. We got people driving to Bothell every day for work. You are an ambassador of Jesus Christ. God is making his appeal through you to the lost. So Paul says, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. A lot of people think they're reconciled, that they're good with God, and they're not. We get good with God through God, through Jesus Christ. And so we bless others by being ambassadors for Christ in this world. We are the game plan of God through whom he, he works through the church, his Holy Spirit, by, uh, through the word. He doesn't need us, but this is the plan he's chosen, that we are the ambassadors. And so we go to our neighbors, we go to our friends, we go to the world, we go to Swaziland, we go to the ends of the earth to be missionaries exactly like God came to us. Wherever we live. And we help others. We want to serve others the way Jesus served us. We lovingly implore others, be reconciled to God, your creator, through Jesus Christ. We Implore the world, seek your greatest joy. Seek what is best for you by seeking the glory of Jesus. Because he's the missionary God who came for you when you weren't even thinking about him. He loves you. And so Christians, what does this look like? Well, to be ambassadors, it, first, it, there's this corporate aspect as a church, as a local church that we do life together as a church for the purpose of glorifying God. We love God. We love one another according to his instructions in scripture because we want to glorify God. Do we do that perfectly? No. If you're waiting to be baptized or to join the church or to attend a church until you're perfect, you will never come. And the first requirement is say, I'm a mess up. I need Jesus. I'm hopeless on my own. We, we, and so we learn as a family to love God and to love others by the power of the Spirit. We, we live differently. We sacrifice our money to God so that we can glorify God and say, you know what, I want to be part of a mission that's bigger than my little kingdom. Because my kingdom's not a real kingdom. Okay? I leave, I don't take anything with me. I want to be part of something bigger. I want to be part of the glory of God to all the nations, starting here in Stanwood. So I'm going to give my time and money. I'm going to, I'm going to put it there. We fellowship together in our community groups. We grow stronger together through relationships and ministries and Bible studies. And we do this because we want to glorify God with our lives, not to pay him back, not to, that we can somehow even it out or somehow put him in, his, in our debt. It's out of joy. And this is the miracle of the new birth. That God changes your heart. He <laughs> said, I love God. <laughs> I want to worship God with my life. And we go as a church. You know, we go out. We, we're here for a, little, a few hours a week, but reality is we live a lot of our lives in workplaces and schools and neighborhoods. And we do that, hopefully, with the help of God, by the power of his spirit, to reach others, to serve others, to love others, so that we can see people from all peoples glorify God, so that God gets the glory that he's due. Now, I was excited when I came back to the church a few weeks ago, because the staff had already been working on several new ways that we at Cedar Home can, can do this, and I hadn't even... I haven't even really talked about this with them. 
But I think the past few years at Cedar Home have been good years, and we've had a lot of transition and change. We're in this building, and it's awesome. And we've done a, done a lot of in-house stuff. But I, I really feel like there's a new season now where we need to look outward. And we need to be missionaries in a new way to our community, the same way that God was a missionary to us. I'm going to tell you, uh, inside your bulletin, there should be a, a little sheet that says bulletin notes. And all this was in place. It was so cool before I even came back. But I just want to tell you four ways in the next three months before Christmas that you can join God and this family on mission to advance the kingdom of God in our community here in Stanwood, okay? So I would encourage you to please join us for some or all of these. First of all, October 31, a Halloween alternative at the church called No Tricks, Just Treats. And this is, I mean, the more I've thought about it, like sometimes we do events to attract people or to serve people just because that's good to do, but this is actually meeting a real need in our neighborhood. Um, if you've, I don't know if you go out much. I mean, I'm, I happen to be in a season where I've got three little kids, but Halloween, and I talked about this earlier this year, it is the one night in our community that is different than any other night in our community where you will see more people in town and where more people are more hospitable to others than any other night of the year, right? It's not Christmas anymore, right? I mean, some people put up lights, but the, the reality is people are out on Halloween. How can we serve them? Put Halloween aside. How can we serve our neighbors? That's the question. And so on that day, um, we are going to open up the church for a couple hours in the evening and just... Uh, let people know that you know, we're advertising to the community right now that please park at our church, um, use our restrooms. Uh, we're gonna have people stationed from this side of the building to that side of the building in the hallway with people hopefully from Cedar Home just loving on kids and giving them candy <laughs> and, and meeting some of these new families that are moving into our area. They're in our backyard. It doesn't get any easier. The question is, will we show up? <laughs> and so I encourage it. And I get it. Some of you, your conscience won't allow you to do anything related to Halloween. And that's okay. If you don't feel like you can do, please do not do what you think is sin. But um, we need help with this event, either by donating candy if you can't come, or by helping decorate, or handing out flyers, or... If you're able to come and help out, just hand out candy for an hour or two, it would just be awesome. And we really want to do this as a family. This isn't a staff event. This isn't a Dan event. This is a Cedar Home family event, right? And it's not about Halloween. It's about being the light and love of Jesus that God created for his glory. The light of Jesus, uh, and love of Jesus, two people that God created for his glory. And so you can contact either Nancy Williams or Kim Nelson about that event. Their numbers are listed in the bulletin. Okay, second thing I want you to write down is this. Mid-November, we want to bless a bunch of single parents uh, in our community with a nice meal. Uh, for several years, we've partnered with uh, Single Family Ministry, which is run by Ralph and Leanne Fry. We've hosted it. Um, at the church for several years. They recently just moved to the YMCA, which is great because it's a Christian thing. We'll be able to reach even more people. Um, but uh, one night a week, they meet with and encourage several parents in our community who are leading their families as single parents. And the Fries asked our church if we'd be willing to bless the parents this year by making them a nice Thanksgiving dinner in November. And... If you or your community group would like to help with that, I, I haven't talked to Julie about all the details. I don't know if it's at the Y or here. But we would bring the food and just want to bless these families. And so please contact Julie at the church office. She'll tell you what she knows for now. And we, we just, we would love to get you plugged in, whether maybe you're not a cook like me, um, and you can just love people and greet people, or maybe you're really good at cooking and you can make something um, that would bless people. Or maybe you're, you don't want to do either one of those, but God has blessed you in other ways. And maybe you say, I would love to give 
uh, a single mom a $50 gift certificate so they can have a good Thanksgiving. Um, just think about that. Just pray about it. It's just cool that that opportunity came to us. We weren't asking about it, and I'm like, okay, we need to pay attention here. Um, and then third, I want you to write this one down, December 15th. It's a Friday night, and we're going to host here at Cedar Home a theater and dessert night. Um, it's going to have activities for kids afterward, and the event is geared towards people of all ages. It does include kids. Um, Taproot Theater is going to perform a 30-minute drama here. And then afterward, we're going to have a dessert together, and, and there's going to be fun stuff for kids to do. And the purpose of the event is not, man, that, that was a really sweet fellowship event for our church. Okay? We do that in community groups. We do that in ministries. That's awesome. That's important. The purpose is for us to think about who could I invite that has made me lonely this season that uh, maybe wouldn't walk into a church on any other night than if I just said, hey, do you, my church is doing this theater and dessert thing. It's only an hour. Would you like to come? And Think about that. I would love to, to see new faces of, of people that God created for his glory, but maybe they don't know that yet. Um, and so we're going to need help with making desserts and the kids' activity and promotion and setup and teardown. And again, it takes a church. But isn't that exciting? I love that. I love the idea of thinking about us doing something together to reach our community. Uh, Kim Nelson is planning this event, and she needs help. And, uh, and man, it's already October 1, so that's, it's, it's not far away. But her email and phone number are listed several times in the bulletin, uh, so please reach out to her ASAP. And then fourth, um, we recognize that a lot of kids and families um, are involved in fall sports, and, and we're heading into the cold and wet season. And so one of the ways that we as a church family want to bless the athletes and families and coaches in our community is by offering free hot chocolate at the soccer fields on an upcoming Saturday. And no strings attached. We're not like, here's a, you know, here's a ticket to our church. You get to come to our church. No, it's like, we just want to love people. In the name of Jesus, just love people. And so we did this a few years ago. It was a huge hit. It only takes an hour or two. And it's a great way to love our neighborhood. Um, so Ayla Fackenthal and Kim Nelson are working on that together. Please reach out to them and just say, I think that's cool. I, how can I be a part of that? Um, it's not a big-time commitment, and it's just another way we're trying to make on-ramps, both for us so that we can be ambassadors to the community, and also for the community so they have an on-ramp to get to know what Jesus is all about. So which of these events, as you look at that, might you be able to help out with or serve with in some way to reach our community with our church for the glory of God's name? Um, kind of in summary here, Scripture shows us that... Uh, that God's glory and our greatest joy are not opposed to each other, but they actually fit together perfectly. And God is glorified in us when we enjoy him and enjoy his salvation forever. And his mission is for his glory and for our salvation. And it's not for one group of people. It's for all the nations of the earth. And so until Jesus returns, we're going to follow his lead. We're going to, we want to be ambassadors. He was an ambassador. We want to be an ambassador. He was a missionary. We want to be missionaries to our community so that we can reach our communities with the love of Jesus Christ and so that we can see people rescued, not just from hell, yes, from hell, but from the darkness, the destruction, the hopelessness in their lives. They need the Lord just like you and I do. And so by God's grace, Jesus made us his ambassadors. And it's our joy to link arms together, to reach our community, to love them, to tell them with our words and with our actions that the Lord Jesus is awesome and he is good and salvation is found in no other name. Amen. We love you. Okay, so um, as we prepare to celebrate all that truth, by partaking in the Lord's Supper together, I'm going to ask the communion servers to come forward. Let me just pray for us, okay? <clears throat> Dear Lord, we, we love you, and we declare in agreement with your word that you are glorious. All the power is yours. All the glory is yours. The majesty is yours. Your name is great and deserves to be praised greatly.
And we thank you, I mean, in this mysterious plan that none of us would ever dream up, that uh, your pursuit of your own glory is enmeshed with our blessing. And that you've made that very clear to us in the person of Jesus Christ, that we have seen what God is like, we have seen the glory of the Father in Jesus Christ, and that is for all peoples of all nations who turn to you and trust in you. And so our prayer, Lord, for ourselves, for our loved ones, for our neighborhood, would your Holy Spirit work with your sovereign power and blow in mighty power and come upon people and change hearts and make people new and free us, Lord, from addictions and from sin and sinful habits that we just can't get rid of on our own. Purify us as your church, Lord. Help us to love one another in our body and to not get caught up in petty things that just are not worth our time and energy. Help us to be outward focused like you are for the glory of your name. And for each one of us, God, who has trusted in you personally, we, we are thankful that we get to partake in your supper now that uh, the bread represents your body which was broken for us, God, on that tree. And the blood represents your blood that was shed, uh, the cup represents your blood that was shed for our sins, which purifies us, which makes us new. We thank you for that, God. Um, help us just to really contemplate on that and just focus on you and thank you and worship you now. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.